Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome to Recovery, sort of. My name's Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I'm Jason. I'm a guy in long-term recovery. This week, we thought we'd have a conversation based off some stuff I was doing with my sponsor. I was going over a step with him, and we came across a question that was, what things have you heard in recovery that you don't agree with or something similar to that? And there's a few for me, being a person I would consider to be somewhat of an atheist or agnostic. I'm never sure which title fits better. I don't know. I'm not against anything. I just have a hard time believing in like the mystical, magical guy in the sky that moves us around on the world like chess pieces or something. That thinking have never served me well. Maybe that's because I was raised as a Catholic. I don't know. The Catholic God's pretty weird. Yeah, (laughs) I would agree with that. So that probably wrecked my whole version of God. But in any case, I've struggled with that. A couple of the sayings that I hear a lot through my time in recovery are everything happens for a reason and Mm -hmm. that God has a plan. To me, they're kind of one and the same, that there's some magical force at work in the world that has deterministic outcome for exactly what's supposed to happen in my life and your life and everyone else's life. And these things are all intimately interwoven and connected in some magical way to serve some greater will of a guy in the sky. Like, yes. I don't know another way to say it. Yes, that's exactly right. And now we can end our episode. <laughs> I love it. I would buy in. They kind of fit the same thing. Everything happens for a reason because it's God's plan. Yeah. yeah. So they, they go together. I'm with that. And so I don't believe that at all. I don't believe that that's how the world works or that's how things go or that those are things that I just hear that I don't agree with. I don't think things happen for a reason. I think things happen because people have free will and or some semblance of free will and we can go out and live however we want and do whatever we want. And if I go out of here and decide that I'm going to run my car at 100 mile an hour up and down Route 40 and eventually end up in a crash, I don't believe that that's God's will. I don't think you can. What? Go out there and do it. You don't think that I can? Nope. Why? What? I just don't believe you can. God's will. Well, that's, I don't. You like where that's going, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) I don't get it. Like, what do you mean? I can do that. You can't, though. You won't. I won't. So you obviously can't. Uh, I don't think because I won't do something, that means I can't do something. I think it does. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a cop. That's like some crazy loophole to an argument. of. Oh, no. No, no. That's real. You can't. You physically can't. The person you are today just could not go out there and live in a way that would endanger others' lives in your own. Okay, so let me rephrase this in a way that's real and in the world, and I don't mean to, like, 
put you in a weird space because of a tragedy that happened in my life. But I say that because my nephew was 17. He was killed by a guy right. that was driving 100 miles an hour up and down Route 40 at night, ran a red light, and T-boned him and his friends. That guy could. So Right. So he could. <laughs> so does that mean that was God's will that he could do that? And so he did, and it was God's will that he went out and... In, you know, in my understanding, like, yes, unfortunately. Right. Uh, but I. And I okay. say, fuck that God. <laughs> right. So, and my version of God is not, I don't want to say it's not intelligent because it definitely is. It's not some dude picking apart the world and deciding what needs to happen and what doesn't and, and who's worthy of living and dying. Like, it's not based on that. And I think we often tend to look at death with a very human eyeball which skews the whole idea of when people pass, like we look at it as this awful, horrible, negative thing instead of just, they were here, they served their purpose, they're returning back to the energy that they came from. Well, I could give you 27 other examples that don't include death of right, horrible things that happen to people. Number and one. God's will. <laughs> so my mom was raised in an incredibly abusive environment. Her mm -hmm. and her siblings were physically, sexually, mentally abused by their father for all of their lives until they were old enough to get out of that environment. So how is that, I mean, does that mean God's will was for that guy to be this horrible, abusive monster? And what purpose does that serve? I think you want our listeners to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the purposes. I, I don't right. have the view that the God of my understanding has. I don't understand all the ins and outs of whys or whatever, I would not change a moment of my life because it's all led me to right where I need to be. I needed the tragedies, the traumas, the, the maltreatment. I needed all that. And could I have lived without it? Yeah. But would I be the person I am? No. And I'm very thankful that I am the person I am. But there's no guarantee that you could not have been a better person had you not suffered. Better than this? Yes. There's no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> there's just no way i watch people who grow up in relatively healthy lives and they're decent people but i just feel like when you've gone through some shit you come out if you come out the other side which is the unfortunate part but if you do you just you come out a, a really really different person so for argument's sake i'll loop it back to my mom and say you know she never really got any sort of counseling therapy she was never an addict so she never went to any of that stuff and so later in life I could see a lot of the way that she dealt with life and people and a mistrust and an anger towards the world that was her best life I mean that's where I, so all this gets back to that's the things that I struggle with with the whole well, I'll just call it God concept. I don't even like to use the word God. I use God a lot because it's convenient yeah. and it's words that we use in our literature. One but syllable. I, yeah, and I hate, because even in my own mind, like when I say God, it invokes a concept. It invokes, it's a big G, it's a thing, mm -hmm. you know, it's this force or power, you know, that controls things. Like I have preconceived notions when I say that word. Little G God. That even though I don't believe them, I'm still st stuck with them as soon as I say it. Right. So I guess you'd call that resentment. Yeah. And I recognize that. So I don't like to use that word a lot other than for convenience. Or sometimes in meetings it's easier to say God because I don't feel like arguing with people about it afterwards. 
which has happened. I've talked about my higher power and what that means to me. And I've had people come up to me after meetings and try to convince me of how wrong I was, which is always fun. Well, that's what we're doing here today, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> <laughs> which, yeah, I don't care. I invite these conversations because I don't know that I'm right. And right. I worry, actually, that my thinking is setting me up for failure, mm. that I'm putting myself into a dangerous place. And part of that comes from our literature, you know, talking about like my character defects, you right. know, my character defects of ego and all that can back me into a corner that I can't stay clean through. So stay on the mom here for a minute, right? Okay. And you say it didn't change her, it didn't lead her to a, a better life per se. I would say my outside perspective of that was that it led to a lot of suffering and a lot of hardship for all of her life. Right. So what is the purpose of life? Is it for everything to feel comfortable and nice and, you know, peaceful? Or is life parts nice, peaceful, parts suffering, parts awful tragedy, parts amazing, incredible beauty? Is it all of these things? Well, I mean, it, as far as I understand it, according to the literature of our fellowship, the, the God piece is supposed to be loving and caring and greater than us. So I don't think that the purpose of life is supposed to be those things. But if I'm serving a power that rules this life, that is supposed to be loving and caring and greater than me, I don't know how those two things fit together. And that's exactly my point, is I don't think life is all about being happy and free of suffering and all those things. Quite the contrary. <laughs> right. What if the purpose of life is to have a relationship with this God? And he just always gives you things like, daisies that smell great in your front yard and, you know, no trauma in your childhood and just beautiful horses that run through your backyard with fucking unicorns on them and shit. Like, would you ever turn to him and talk to him or would you not fucking need him? I think God is there only for like those awful times. That's when I'm reminded, oh shit, I need comforting, man. I better turn to this power and remember that I am not the power that's running this life. I need something bigger. And I'm not saying that like there's some giant douchebag in the sky like pointing his magic stick and being like oh billy's not paying attention to me <laughs> let me have some fucked up shit right let me take one of his kids from him so he'll look at me but i think it's just like that loving comfort that we get when we turn to it and yeah so i posted this on twitter just last night because you brought it up and i was like that's interesting and candace came up with god won't give you more than you can handle and I have never liked that one either, because if I could handle everything, what the fuck do I need God for? Right. <laughs> right? Like I get more than I can handle so that I'm reminded or I, I don't like saying it that way because that makes it sound like God's just punishing everybody to, you know, hey, look at me, asshole. You forgot me. But more like, I guess my life regularly reminds me just because life is hard in that difficulty and struggle of life. I'm regularly reminded that there's a place I can go to seek some comfort from that. And look, the whole you mentioned before we started, God works through other people. Sometimes that's through a loving companion or a friend that listens to me and gives me a hug, right? Sometimes when I'm alone, that's just me talking to God and reminding myself that I'm not alone. I want to go back to the, the comfort part because this is, it's interesting. So Jen and I were talking with our kids about some of this at dinner the other day. Oh. And she brought up the point of, and I'm trying to remember exactly how she said it, but she said something to the fact of, don't you just know, can't you just feel God's love in your life? Like, can't you just feel that there's a God and that he loves you? And my answer to that was no. In mm. fact, I've never felt that in my life. 
I've never felt that. I, no. <laughs> like, so when you talk about this comfort that you get from God, I, I don't get that. Like, I never have had that. And I don't think that's mm. something that I have done or not done. Right. It's just not something that I can identify with. Hmm. So say you're struggling with delusion, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe some hallucinations. And somebody puts a ham and cheese sandwich in front of you and you're starving. But in your delusions and hallucinations, you don't see it or believe it's there. Like you just think it's fake or, or don't even see it at all. There's no way for you to possibly get fed and feel full from that sandwich if you don't believe in it. You don't believe in God. How in the hell would you ever feel it? So there are points in my life where I would say I believed in God and I really tried. Early in my recovery, I got involved with a church, a Christian. I did a lot of work on my first couple of steps about opening my mind to the ideas of God. And I went to church and I sought, you know, what I felt like with all sincerity and open-mindedness and willingness, sought to build and connect and improve on this relationship with God Mm. that everyone talks about. And long story short for me, that came up feeling empty at the end of five or so years of that endeavor. Now, interestingly enough, and this is something Jen and I were talking about as well, so even over the time that I would still say I'm an atheist, I still have gone to Christian services and Christian churches and all that, because I do believe there's a beautiful, wonderful message there in certain places, and there was a church that we went to when we were in Massachusetts, and I loved it. I made a point to go there every Sunday. I loved the service mm. and the pastor and his message about God and Jesus and all that. It was awesome. It was right. very uplifting and spiritual. I can't say that I felt a connection to God. I mean, you're a little skeptical, aren't you? So I definitely am now. As I've gotten older, I've gotten more skeptical than ever. Uh, yeah. I was just picturing you going in and like wholeheartedly trying to, to believe or seek for this power, but also being skeptical at the same time. I feel like that would. Oh, no. When we were in Massachusetts, it was to, I was already like I knew I was an atheist going in. I wasn't going in letting them try to convince me of God. I was going in just because. I meant even before that, though, oh, when you were uh... saying you gave it a, you know, the good old college try or whatever you were saying. Like, so I am skeptical because my nature is skepticism. Right. I mean, that's just the way I approach most of life. I want to analyze things and understand how they work and what they do and. I'm a skeptic by just my nature. Yes. So to clarify for you and, and for you, listener, I am not trying to convince anyone that there is God. Who the fuck am I to say, right? If what you're doing is working for you, you know, don't listen to me. I'm not here to argue the point. We're having a nice conversation about this is what I, I have felt God. Like when I've been alone, when I've been in pain, when I've reached out, I have felt a source of comfort reach out to me in return, like your wife talked about. And so I, I don't know if you aren't capable of feeling that because you don't believe in God. I don't know if you aren't capable of feeling that because it's not real and I completely made it up in my head. Like, I, I don't know if you aren't capable of feeling that because you're just a little skeptical. So even when you gave it a good try, you weren't all in. I, I have no idea. Yeah. And there were two reasons I wanted to talk about some of this specifically on here with you. One, because I know we have slightly different opinions of that, but I still I respect and admire you and your recovery and your version of getting the same. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. Secondly, I don't always trust my own judgment. Like mm. say, I could be missing something or setting myself up 
and missing an opportunity that I would otherwise not see left to my own devices. So I think it's important for me to talk about these things. And there was a, there's actually a third thing was that I have sponsored people over the years and I'm currently working with a guy that struggles with some of these same things. And it's not always comfortable to go into a meeting and say, I don't really believe in God. Like you guys are telling me I have to believe. And if you say that in a meeting, someone will come correct you very quickly. They'll definitely look at you and weird. You will definitely get... <laughs> you get the side eye. All me. Accosted? I don't know. Accosted is the right word. But I have felt like I have had to defend myself <laughs> by saying yeah. those things in a meeting. I still to this day will go in and, and say a lot that the relationship with God and a higher power has been my single biggest struggle throughout my recovery. It's been the area that I have felt the weakest. Mm. You know, that, that I have felt the least strong in my recovery, that at times I felt like something was missing or that something was lacking. And now I'm at a point where I don't feel like something is missing or lacking. I feel like my recovery is strong and I'm trying to solidify or identify how this higher power works for me now today mm. and that more than ever. You know, that now just stopping trying to force beliefs that don't fit or put myself in a place that feels very uncomfortable and fake, you know, that didn't seem to feel as good as just taking ownership of what I think and how I feel and being honest about it and talking about it with people in recovery and saying, hey, you know what, this is how I feel and think about these things. And we have some literature that I wouldn't even say it contradicts. So that's part of the fun too is I can fit most of what I think into the literature and into the step work and into my concept of you know my higher powers will and what that looks like and what that means and make it work I really just want other people to feel like you don't need to try to fake it you know you don't need mm. to try to I believe it's in the second step it might be fake in the third step it. there's a saying about our beliefs come not from dogma but right. from what works for us you know and I think for a lot of years, I was trying to really force the dogma part. Mm. Man, you said so many things I wanted to talk about, but I was really being a good listener, <laughs> yeah. so I forgot them all. <laughs> One, I found it interesting that you used the word, uh, you felt weak in that area, and, the, and weak happened to be the word that came out because it talks in our literature somewhere about God being our greatest source of strength and courage. And I'm like, huh, of course you'd feel weak without him. <laughs> Which just made me laugh. Yeah, I've I've seen people share about atheism and recovery in a meeting and, and was one of the judgmental eyeballs like, what the fuck are you talking about? No, I look, I respect people who work this program in any way, shape or form really even I would say exponentially more having this podcast with you and hearing all your views and really appreciating the takes you have on some of these steps that are like, outside the box of what I've looked at these steps as, but really fundamentally useful information. And I know, like we mentioned with Stephanie last week, there's a lot of people who appreciate that because not everybody does believe in God. I think my problem isn't so much the judgment of that it's wrong. It's just the because of my understanding and how this program works for me, I'm baffled that people could do it without God. Like, that's what blows my mind. It's not really a judgment. It's just a, a fascination and a a disbelief, I guess, to an extent. It's like, wow, how does that work? How the fuck can you figure out God's will and pray for it and do it? 
when there ain't no God. Like I just, I'm baffled by all that. What, it's all random? Like I, I really don't get that concept. And the more I've learned about anything, science, whatever, I've actually been led closer to God through every last thing I've learned in life. All these, I, I guess they say science like pushes you away from God. And I've always just felt like science pushed me closer to God in all my understandings. And I've heard that as well uh, from people that I know that are scientists and guy I know that was a chemist worked for AI DuPont and people that I know that are really into science have actually said the same thing. Like this, this can't possibly be this random thing that there's got to be a, a greater force, a greater power, whatever, a God and that's directing all this. I don't know. I, I mean, that part, I don't spend a lot of time contemplating where we came from or whether the Big Bang Theory is better than the Bible or, I mean, either of them sounds sort of ridiculous to me. Mm -hmm. Like, what? It just the thing banged and we came out of nothing? There was everything like that? Poof, humans. Yeah, <laughs> that makes about as much sense as, you know, right. a dude snapping his fingers and saying we got trees, you know? Yeah. Like, you know <laughs> like, one's just as equal as the other. I'm not saying one's better than the other. So I don't spend a lot of time there or in creationism where things came from or how they come to be. Maybe if I did, that would help me have a better understanding of God. Maybe not. Mm. I will say, though, I have spent a considerable amount of time trying to understand what God's will. Early in recovery, it didn't matter what God's will was. It's like, well, I know it's just loving, caring, and greater than me, and that's good enough, and I'll just keep working steps and I'll keep going to meetings and I'll stay engaged in the process of recovery. And that's all I need to know. That's good enough. Yeah. Keep working yeah. the steps and don't get high. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. There's God's and, will. And that's how I, yeah, that's how I understood God's will to be. Says who? <laughs> who says working the steps and not getting high is God's will? I mean, just people in meetings. That's yeah. powers greater than me at the time. Do but, we believe that though? What? I mean, so I, honestly, this is taking me to a weird place right now. <laughs> I do believe that everything happens for a reason. And I don't know that God's will for everyone is to work the steps and not get high anymore. <laughs> right. I just believe the wrong parts of our program. Yeah. yeah I, I don't believe that. <laughs> so I don't believe God's will works like that at all anyway. So I don't believe any, whether you work the steps or don't work the steps or none of that's God's will of, of my understanding now, just like God's will doesn't have any effect on where I work or where I live or where I buy a house or don't buy a house. You know, like none of that to me is anything to do with God's will. I want to go straight back to my circular argument that like <laughs> you couldn't have not worked the steps. <laughs> you couldn't have made any other choice any other way. Nope. So, and I know you're not a big fan of his, but Sam Harris would argue that that is actually your lack of free will that it has nothing to do with God's will. It has right. to do with your, what do they call that? You're like your neuroscience, your neuro makeup. And if we took all these inputs and if we understood everything that went into your decision making, we could predict what your next choice would be before you ever made it. And you wouldn't be able to choose any other way. And I would argue that Sam Harris is like all of science trying to explain God that just is. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, whether we put this label of God's will onto that or not, I guess it's just a way of looking at a different thing. I mean, I would agree. I don't have a say over what things I like or what I don't like. Although I don't know if that's true either. Now that I say that, like I can remember trying beer or trying coffee for the first time and not liking them so much, but I fucking stayed at it until I 
adapted a taste. An acquired <laughs> you know, taste. Right? Yeah. An acquired taste. So I do have some control over some of those things. <laughs> do you though? Could you have chosen not to stick with drinking them? I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so that makes it God's will? This episode has been brought to you by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit grassroots recovery community organization located in Maryland. Voices of Hope is made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity and respect of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopececilmd.org and consider donating to our cause. So how I have begun to understand God's will, and this is a part I've been thinking a lot about recently, which is why I wanted to bring it up on here. Like, is this just crazy person thinking? Because shit I say inside my head sounds all deep and profound, and then you say it out loud, and it's like, that sounds like ramblings of a crazy person. <laughs> like, and I got to watch that, because I will say some pretty dumb shit to myself and think that it sounds really good. So lately, I look at God's will is the opportunities to do good and serve others in my life, in my day. And so when I pray or meditate for God's will— I'm trying to keep myself in a place to look for every opportunity in my life and in my day to serve others, to be loving, kind, and compassionate, and to do good in the world. So that's God's will. At the moment, yes. Awareness to have an opportunity to be good to people. Yes. Well, God's will is the opportunity to be good to other people. My responsibility, I guess, is seeking out those opportunities. Hmm. So we say that at least I've always heard one of these sayings that like God's will happens through other people, that God acts through others. Right. And I guess in a somewhat sort of way, I would say I agree with that. My higher power, I'm going to get away from God and say my higher power's purpose is derived through the actions of others. I think you believe in God. It's just not the magic wand God in the sky. You believe that collectively humans are God. Something to that effect, yeah. So I believe there's a higher calling or higher purpose in the world than to serve my own immediate needs and wants above all others. That doesn't mean that I don't have needs and wants that are okay. That doesn't mean that every decision I make, I need to completely throw out any desire of good things that I have, but that there's a higher purpose or higher calling happening in the world that I can choose to be a part of. So to give an example would be there's a community center that we want to build for people in our neighborhood to help them with whatever. And a collection of 20 people get together and build this community center. You know, that community center is a higher purpose. You know, that's the higher value. We're doing something. A bunch of individual efforts are coming together to push forward goodness. Hmm. So I don't think the goodness directs to, and this is where it gets with recovery and recovery language and everything has a purpose and all that shit. This is where that part fails for me is I don't believe that 
there's a community center that needs to be built, and that fucking community center is going to get built, and it's going to go out and randomly pick 20 people to get it accomplished. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the part. that That's where it breaks down for me. I believe that it's only through the efforts of the 20 people that the will of the higher power gets accomplished. Hmm. I don't know that they're any different. The community center is something that's going to be, I guess. And those 20 people couldn't not help build it would be my take on that, I think. Well, I worry for myself that if I sit around and make God's will an excuse for everything that I do or don't do, it gives me an outlet or a backdoor to excuse any sorts of behavior that I want in my life. Now you sound like me. (laughs) I feel like I'm always the one looking for the where this can go to its worst place. And you're like, well, we don't judge things by that. That's not how it works. That sounds like one of my arguments. Because look, I I believe in God's will, but I'm not blaming away any of my actions on God after I do them. They just are. Like, I I believe that they had to happen. I do believe I'm responsible for them. If I go sleep with some other women today and my wife finds out about it, I'm responsible for the way she feels. Regardless, I did it doesn't mean I don't think it wasn't God's will and needed to happen for some purpose in one of our lives, all of our lives, ripple effect into, you know, lives 60 years from now. Like, for some purpose, I believe it had to happen. But I'm not using that as an excuse for everything I do. Like, oh, it's cool. I had to do it that way. Hmm. Yeah, see, that whole thing right there is like, oof, you (laughs) want to live and serve a God that directly causes you to go out and harm other people to teach some lesson like fuck that's like a shitty abusive parent it's like i don't really teach a lesson it's just the way we operate yeah again and that's just that's where it falls apart like that's where i'm like fuck that god so a lot of this came and i might have shared about this before might have mentioned this on here before but my relationship with what I felt like was the God that the program told me I had to have fell apart when my kids got molested. Like, that's where that God, I really felt like, fuck that guy. Like, that understanding of a higher power working in my life, all on me. I don't put this on anyone else. This is nothing to do with the program. I don't think the program steered me wrong. I don't think anybody lied to me or misled me. My understanding of all of my concept of God up to that point, I felt like I was trying to take parts and work them in my life and remain open-minded and make them fit and and really trying to love and serve and appreciate that version of a higher power. And then that tragic thing happened in my life, and I couldn't – I wasn't comfortable there anymore. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I – I no longer saw the purpose of ser- and and made a decision just like I would in NA. Like if I felt NA was causing harm to me in my life today, I would stop coming tomorrow. I would not continue to come here, not here, but I would not continue to go to a program or a fellowship that I felt like was causing harm or detriment to me in my life. And that's what I felt like happened with my relationship with that understanding of a higher power. Like I felt like all of a sudden, wait a minute, this is a higher power that supposed to believe is loving caring and directing all areas of my life and now it directly caused me and my children and my family some immediate harm that did ripple effect out through our entire family it ruined relationships with my wife and her sisters Mm. it ruined relationships with my kids and their grandparents and their grandmother who they still never see and, and and whatever maybe that's for 
and this is where the shit breaks down. It's like, well, that's supposed to be for some purpose that I don't get to understand or that has to do with something outside of me. Like, no, there was a lot of fucking suffering and hurt that happened there. And if that's the way that someone wants to teach me a lesson, like, fuck that guy. If that's the way that I was a parent to my children that I abused and caused them a bunch of harm so that they could learn a lesson later in life, oof, I don't want to be that kind of parent. <laughs> you keep taking it back to a lesson, though, and I think my understanding is less uh, I can make meaning out of these things, which is cool. I can make them into lessons and, and learning opportunities, but I just think life is this rich, full gift and we're only getting half of it if we only get the good shit. Yeah, it doesn't feel good to be in the moment a lot of times. It's hard to deal with grief, bereavement, tragedy, trauma, you know, unexpected circumstances that aren't what we want to happen. But I I think all of those, I think without those, life would be half as fucking full and rich. And I know 99% of the world would probably dis-a-fucking-agree with me right now. <laughs> like, no, it should be beaches and fucking cuddles and cotton candy and shit. I, I just don't believe that. I think without these really hard things, life isn't full. It's just my belief. It's not about it being a lesson or anything. We just, we need these pieces, all these different parts of life to really appreciate the beauty of like what life really is, which isn't this relaxing on a fucking tropical beach with cotton candy and unicorns and hugs it's this experience that's like deep and hard and and beautiful and and joyous and and we cry together and we you know go through tragedies together but then we also get to celebrate together it's all this this is what life is it's this beautiful beginning and this hard ending and all of it makes up what we're supposed to experience here and without it we'd be getting robbed of that experience and so i would agree with all that i mean i definitely feel like life is I don't believe it's supposed to be like all good or all bad or we're supposed to be devoid of pain or suffering or misery or any of that I struggle to see how giving credence to some god helps that or justifies that like I don't... is that the hardest thing you've gone through your kids going through that situation is that the most difficult part of your life in recovery, probably. I mean, well, I've suffered my own sexual abuse as a kid, and right. that's been so long ago, though. Like, I feel like I've grown and done work to get through that. Uh, in recovery, definitely that. Probably the loss of my mom. We lost a child. We had a miscarriage. That was pretty tough. I mean, I, I think the hardest things are what take us to those breaking points on either end of that spectrum. Like, those are the most beautiful and most vibrant parts of our life and make it the fullest when we're extended to our furthest limits on either end of that spectrum, right? So mm -hmm. I would say, you say, what kind of God would want to make that happen to teach me a lesson? And I'm saying God would have robbed you of a fuller life had you not had it. And I know that sounds like absolute dog shit. And <laughs> I feel no. like I said, whenever we talk about this situation in particular, yeah, I'm like, no. God, I just, people That's are okay. Gonna, no, I don't take it any kind of way. Nah, people should be open-minded. I, I don't take it any kind of <laughs> offensive way. Like I, people should be I agree with what you're saying. I just feel like for me, I can't, I don't know why the, the God part of that, but like I agree with all of that. I, I think, you know, our life and our experience is, like life to me is all about experiences and you're going to have good ones and bad ones and I'm not, and this is, again, where all the, 
God and religion and all those things come together and fuck me up. So for me, I'm just here and I'm living a life and I didn't get to pick when it started. I didn't get to pick where it started. I didn't get to pick why it started. I was just put here in this place. And now I can choose to go out and live it in whatever form, fashion, or, you know, means I want. And that my quality of life is my responsibility. What I get out of life has a lot to do with, not all, because there's still going to be a lot of things that are outside of my control. Like say, I didn't get to pick where I was born, what country I was born in, you know, any of those things. So I am privileged in a lot of ways that were beyond any efforts that I made. But I also have to take some responsibility for where I'm at and what I'm doing and what course that I direct my life in because there are some things that I have responsibility for or choices in that I should be seeking out the best ways to live my life. Are there though? Neither of us believe you can truly go out here and drive up and down 40 at 100 miles an hour. Neither of us believe you can do that. I don't think because of who you are. So how much control do you really have and over what? If that's true for that instance, because of who you are, then how do we also not know that you have the job you have just because of who you are and you are with your wife and raise your kids as a good dad just because you have no other choice? So therein lies my responsibility. I feel if I went out here tomorrow and said, you know what? I think I'm going to get involved with a Satan church that loves Satan and evil and fuck yeah, let's do it. (laughs) And I started going there weekly and reading that literature and and putting a lot of those ideas in my head. I would be capable of doing some pretty harmful shit after a little while. I believe that if that's the information that I'm intaking and seeking and putting into my fucking thought pattern, that that will directly influence the way that I approach life in Vice versa, that's where for me, you know, the program comes in or, or you know, where my higher power works through the other people in my life. Like it's important for me to seek out healthy people that are reinforcing ideas or living and reinforcing beliefs and things that I want to be in my life. You know, does that make sense? For the record, I don't know that people who worship Satan actually want to do evil. I'm really not sure about that. It's a little unclear in my head. Okay, well, let's decide I want to be a serial killer, and so I start just going out and reading all sorts of serial killer. You know, I'm just... No, I get it. And this is where... I'm going 80s Satan movie, you know? Right. right. No, no. (laughs) This is where the the argument, like, stalls out every time, because I just don't think you could make those choices. Just participate in that stuff? or that. Don't think you could do it. For most people, it happens slowly over time. It's just like when I first started using drugs, I didn't ever make the decision that, yeah, I'm going to shoot up. And I don't think that when I was 14 and went out and smoked pot that I could have shot up or 13, whatever age I was when I started. I don't think I could have went out right then and been like, yeah, fuck yeah, heroin and started shooting up. Like, no, I was incapable of that at that time. But I pursued that lifestyle and that course of direction in my life to the point where that's where it led to. Yeah, and then you were incapable of not shooting up. And then you got clean and were incapable of shooting up again. I agree with all these. You're you're So you, I just my story you don't isn't have that. any control. I did stop shooting up. Right. But I kept using for but, a long time. But when you were doing it, you couldn't stop. And then when you stopped, you couldn't start again. Yeah, I only did it a couple of times. 
Yeah. I wasn't like a major. I was like, holy fuck, this is insane. What am I doing? Oh, man. And then I went to jail, so it didn't matter. No wonder you don't believe in God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a certain part of responsive you know it's it's trying to work out like that line between what's my responsibility and and what's not if you've never shot a speedball then no wonder you don't believe in god (laughs) (laughs) no i i'm saying and and this is the the circular reasoning which is why i'm definitely not trying to prove any argument here but whenever you were doing or not doing any of those things i liked your idea of when you smoked weed you were incapable of running out the door and saying fuck yeah heroin and shooting it i agree i agree we don't have control (laughs) that's my whole point i don't think we have control you weren't you didn't have control then to go out and decide to be a super heroin user and then when you were a heroin user you didn't have control to stop being a heroin user and then whenever you stopped being a heroin user you no longer have the control to go be a heroin user again you can't go out here today and get high crazy thought isn't it yeah. <laughs> yeah. fucks you up I, know. Yeah. I don't know i don't know how else to look huh. at it i don't think you have a choice and i would agree with that i'm just trying to see how that fits in with god. i guess i'm making the connection with god and, and again maybe it comes back to where i have my resentments towards god that so keep had- me from making that connection right if i had to have a take on this i would say you're unwillingness to give god credit i hate to give credit for what happened to your kids but (laughs) your unwillingness to even bring god into that situation just has to do with the fact that you don't like that situation and you wished it never happened and you couldn't control it well i guess there's a struggle with at least program language that this god needs to be loving caring and greater than us is that is that in our literature now that i'm like is that actually in our literature that's just some shit that people no that's in there okay that's definitely in there. I mean, I do. I don't know. I guess, and and I have a very skewed view. I'm I'm not in the you know the bell curve. I'm not in the normalness <laughs> yeah. for sure. But I I don't know that so called quote unquote bad things happening to us that we label bad. I don't know that that's not also loving and caring. Hmm. My kid just wants to eat ice cream. A loving, caring parent would just give him good, tasty ice cream every night for dinner. But I know that eating these things that don't taste as well is actually better for his full growth and development. So here's where I think the difference are. Because I agree that's that's true. You know, my kid wants to eat ice cream all the time. But I, there are ways that I can help them not eat ice cream every day that don't involve sitting them down on the couch and making them eat ice cream until they throw up. No, I'm saying we got to feed them the broccoli. We got to feed them the peas. We got to feed them the green beans. And look, I do really shitty at feeding my kids these things. So don't take this as gospel for sure. But those things don't taste good. They taste like ass after you've had ice cream and candy bars and shit. Who the fuck wants broccoli, bro? It's uh, ugh, right? But if peas. I have a loving, caring God in my life, isn't that supposed to teach me? Or, or And I go back to the lessons. Shouldn't my experience of life be loving and caring and not? No, the loving, caring God is there to provide what's going to give you the most beneficial growth and development for your life. Just like a kid needs that shitty taste in broccoli that's not enjoyable to have the most growth and development for their physical body. And as a loving parent, that's what I'm going to provide them instead of the good taste and comforty ice cream, right? I have to provide them with the shitty part of food (laughs) in order to help their growth and development because I ultimately know that's what's best for them. 
that's the same theory that I take with God. He's got to provide the shit that doesn't feel so great because that's what's best for our growth and development. It's not just getting, you know, massages and uh, uh, good vibes all day long. That's not what really helps our growth and development completely. That's half of it. Mm. And that's, I, I think, where I struggle is the, is that really what's best for my growth and development? I don't trust that. And again, maybe that's why I had to seek out a new understanding of a higher power because that one was like, I didn't trust it anymore. You right. know what I mean? I didn't trust that process anymore. I didn't trust that this and recovery and living this way was giving me the life that I wanted to live. And so whether, whether you're saying that this is what needed to happen to your life or not, right? Whether this had to happen to your kids or your mom and her situation, I don't think those things happening necessarily make God not loving and caring. I guess that's my point. I could see where both of those loving and caring God and tragedies exist in the same place. Hmm. Okay. That's Maybe it. it's God's will that I had those experiences so that I could be an atheist voice in recovery. <laughs> I would say at this point in time, that is absolutely true. <laughs> I can help other people not believe in God. There you go. They need a voice. Uh, so no, And I do enjoy talking to you about some of this. It challenges me to think. I have these same conversations with my wife. I think she gets mad at me, though, because she gets offended. Yeah. And I don't want to come across offensive i have shared with people there uh, there are definitely times honestly that i feel i don't know what the word is like i'm jealous of people that come in and share about this faith that they have and this higher power and this trust and this like you were saying like this comfort and this love and this energy that they get from this belief in this higher power and it is it is a jealousy it's like man i have tried that and i don't get that from it you know and i don't know so yes there is some jealousy or resentment there for that as well <laughs> right my god's too cool he do, he's not offended if you don't believe in him he doesn't <laughs> right. give a fuck he doesn't care <laughs> nope so therefore i'm not offended either yeah yeah I, I don't know man i can't imagine trying to navigate life without it and you know this podcast and and talking to you and your view kind of that people adapt religion for a method of comfort in their life. Like that's the only purpose it really serves. It's made up and all that. I've like tried to examine that with my own life. I'm like, <laughs> did I just fucking buy into this God thing because it feels better and feels like a purpose. And I don't know. I kind of dwelled on it for a little while. And then I was like, I don't know if I did, who gives a fuck? Like, it's mm. great. <laughs> and that is how I, sold myself on church for a long time. I examined it, and it still to this day holds true. I don't feel like there was any negative impact on my life for the years that we were involved in the church and went to church every Sunday and the lessons that we learned and the relationships that we built there. There was really no negative experience I could take out of that involvement with that church. It was a positive experience overall. And see, I have a really hard time finding God in church. Yeah, I've heard that from people too. Yeah. We've we've searched a lot though, and that's, like I say, there's been two churches specifically. The one we were at for a long time, a lot of it for me has to do with what message the pastor's putting out. Right. Both of the places that I found the most rewarding were places where they focused way more on like the loving, 
caring, forgiving, helping others aspects of like Jesus in the New Testament mm-hmm. than the believe this or you're going to go to hell aspects of I mean, they always still throw that in there. Yeah, now, believe yeah. in Jesus or you're going to go to hell. Accept yeah, yeah. Jesus in your heart or you're going to burn. Like, they slip that in there. But that wasn't the overwhelming drive of the message. The overwhelming drive of the message in both of these places was the things that you had talked about. Like, mm. there is this loving higher power in the world that provides you comfort and love and peace and all these things. And if you seek it out, you know, you can... You can find it in your greatest times of tragedy and your greatest times of grief and can guide you and give you strength when you need it, you know, for direction. And I, in both of those places, you know, I was getting those things there. I do love me some Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) I do. I'm a big fan. So if you have a good pastor who focuses on what I'll call the right aspects, (laughs) I'll put my judgment in there, the right aspects of religion. You know, it can be still be a positive experience. I think I could probably do better with it now. Like, I, I think I couldn't find God in church. That's for sure. I Yeah, I never did bet either. If I go there now, I'd probably see God in church. But I just, it's like, I got a better thing to do on Sunday morning personally. And I don't <laughs> need that practice to inform my practices with my God. I can do them all kinds of other dates and times, and, and they work just as well where I'm at. So... <laughs> Yeah, but so, yeah, I mean, I, it's super interesting. I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to define God's will without God. Like that just seems kind of weird to me. So that throws me off. And then the whole idea of everything happening for a reason, I just buy into that. Yeah. Uh, but I buy into it in a way that isn't what I hear from a lot of people. Like <laughs> right. uh, most people that I hear, are like, yeah, everything happens for a reason, and we have free will, and this that, and like I don't even really buy into free will a whole lot personally. Yeah, I don't I'm either. Not, I'm not big on that. Now that I know about kind of that stuff like you say i i know that i am almost like a computer and that if you put in a bunch of inputs this is what you're going to get out yeah (laughs) there was one more that i brought up in there and i know this is one you don't particularly care for either the some may die some must die so that others may live like that's another i hate that saying i feel like that's i don't even understand why i mean i understand why people say it but if you like when I look into the words or the meaning behind it, I'm like, what is that fucking? That doesn't even mean anything. So I've never liked it, but honestly, after we kind of were texting about it last night, I was like, I kind of do believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Why? What? Uh, just in a general, grand world sort of way, we wouldn't all be able to exist. We would run out of resources. <laughs> like some of us do have to fucking die so that others can live. I'm like, fuck, that's true. So you're meaning that from a completely practical standpoint. Just from the human world, yeah. So from a completely practical standpoint, (laughs) I would agree with it. I guess I'm assimilating it to how it's used in recovery, how it's typically used in our meetings, which my understanding was people got to go out and overdose or died as a direct result of addiction so that other people will get the motivation to stay clean. Yeah, that's kind of how it sounds. But after I realized that it's sort of true for the world, I was like... (laughs) (laughs) Who am I to say it's not like maybe it is true for N.A. Like maybe if we had too many motherfuckers in N.A. it wouldn't work. I kind of believe that's where we're at now personally. Like it's I don't want to say watered down, but it's not as effectual when there's so many new people in the program. And and if I believe everything happens for a reason, then obviously some of us do have to die. I don't know if it's connected to others living. Right. (laughs) I don't know if it has anything to do with that. That's the part that gets me like I don't why do other people need people to die like maybe if we just said some of us had to die 
right. Okay. <laughs> right. Bye. Yeah, we got to die at some yeah. point. We can't all live forever. Yeah. That's for I mean, sure. Maybe they should just say all of us have to die. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. That's a very all true right. statement. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know though. But I I guess just seeing it for the first time and the fact that it is true about the world makes me hmm. say maybe it is true. I've never liked it or thought it is, but maybe it is. Yeah. I don't I don't know how. <laughs> I still don't like it. Yeah. I don't I, like I, the intention behind it. <laughs> yeah. I I don't think people use it in a way that means, you know, resource-wise, we only have so many. Like <laughs> Well, I think they want or when people say this, we want to try to give some sort of comfort and to say that that person's life had some kind of meaning. Is that what you think it is? I think that's what most people intend behind that. I have never taken it that way. No? No. Wow. Yeah, they lost the point then if they were trying to express <laughs> that. I don't know what I thought the point was. Maybe the motivation thing? Maybe just an excuse? Or maybe... Like to give importance to those of us who do live, like, hey, we should keep living because some of these people died for us, or I don't fucking know. Yeah, it's just a weird thing. Hmm. Yeah, maybe I need to ask people that say it the next time they say it. What, do you, what do you mean? By yeah, that? <laughs> I, I know w- what I think you mean, and I think it's not a good way to say that. <laughs> I think we should start. Yeah, everybody out there, next time you hear that in a meeting, ask them what they mean by it, and write. Don't get offended by it. Just write yeah. the explanation back to us, because right. I would love to know what they mean. I have no idea. I'm going to start asking, I'm going to place a bet right now that 50% of them say, oh, I don't know, it's just what we say. <laughs> I'm not betting against that. Uh, Joshua mentioned the giant step nine loophole and said he believes there's evidence that Bill W. actually created it so that he was allowed to hide his affairs from his wife. <laughs> Which is interesting, and he, he sent me a couple of websites that I haven't got to check out yet, but I'm going to just because I'm curious. My my, Here I am back to me again. You don't have to be me now. But we could definitely take the so-called loophole in step nine and say, to do no more harm, I'm not going to disclose the things I've done to hurt people, which I don't think is fair. I would agree. I found that in my step, there was definitely people on my eighth step where I'm like, fuck, this is going to be tough to like go to them and say I did this thing or admit I did this harm. And then when I got the nine, I'd be like, oh, fuck, I don't even have to. They right. don't know, so I don't have to fucking say a word. <laughs> In fact, if I say words like that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make it worse. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. That's a tricky one. Pamela mentioned that she's heard the big book is the only book. And I was like, huh, we kind of have a similar thing in our program where it's like the whole one one disease, one program, (laughs) one fellowship and all that good stuff. And like I bought into that for a while because I thought that was the reality. And it makes sense to some extent because our system is set up to deal with addiction and not a substance. And so we can kind of say it manifests in a bunch of different ways. But I have just found so much useful information outside of you know, my 12-step fellowship that I don't like that one anymore either. I would agree with that. I felt the same in the beginning. I'm like, this is all I ever need in my life. NA will fix everything. You know, it's the answer to the world. And I don't necessarily agree with that. David says, stick with the winners. He said in his book, if you make it in the door, you're a winner. And I thought that was an interesting one to not like. I was kind (laughs) of, you know, and I asked him, I'm like, well, is there a nicer way to say uh, stick with people who are working the program because that gives you better chances of success. I feel like that's what we're trying to say when we say stick with the winners. The people in the middle of the program who are really writing steps and going over them. Like This is where my judgmental 
shit will probably get me in trouble, but I don't think everybody that comes in is a winner. Mm. There's some sick fucks that come in here, that, you know. Not everyone comes in with good intentions. Mm. Not everyone comes in with an honest desire to stay clean. Not everyone yeah. comes in with healthy morals and values. It's important for me to be mindful of who I surround myself with. Not that I won't help other people or, or go out of, well, I don't know. That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. It was interesting. I mean, we went back and forth a little bit about it. I don't use that saying per se, but I definitely agree with it. Does it does seem judgy. Encourage it in people. I mean, I tell people that I sponsor, like, you got to fucking get in the middle of this thing and get involved and get around people that are living and doing this. I mean, we mm. always look at it from the standpoint of like, yeah, stick with the winners. It's a positive thing. But I guess what gets lost in that is that if we're picking the winners, we're also picking the losers. Yeah. <laughs> like, we don't ever talk about that part. Stay away from the losers. If we went around saying that, we'd be like, that's a judgmental fucking saying. <laughs> but that's what we're saying. Right. We're saying stay away from the fucking losers. And I heard early on exactly that. Like, it's important for me to judge people in their recovery. Right. I mean, it's not so good that I run around being self-righteous or calling people out or acting like a fucking asshole about it. Yeah. But it's important that I judge other people in here. Because if I get myself into the wrong crowd or the wrong group, I can easily be led astray. I mean, I heard people say that when I first got clean. Like, we do judge each other around here. Oh, that is yeah. the thing that happens, and it, we should. That's life. I right. mean, I judge whether how close I want to get to the edge of the fucking cliff, you know? Like, how close right. do I feel safe? And, and if I judge wrong, I could die. Like, I I don't necessarily think judging's bad. I heard one time to, to judge without contempt. That's not the word that they use. But it was basically like when you're judging, judge for the safety of yourself, but judge with compassion, right? It's not right. about judging to like shame anybody or make them feel worse or, or put them down. It's just we need to judge things in life. Should I eat this fucking berry that looks poisonous or this apple? Like, well, I think I'm going to eat the apple. Right. And <laughs> see that that's where, again, for me, like back to the God's will thing, like my servant, you know, the higher powers will is to be available to help and guide and direct that person but not to the point where i put myself in harm's way that's the knowledge that i'm seeking when i seek god's will is how do i still love and help and support this person but in a way that keeps me safe and healthy and not putting myself at risk maybe Stop. you need to be at risk yeah <laughs> but yeah so don't stay away from the losers oh I guess. i've heard that too i don't necessarily like what that if you're not getting hurt by newcomers in recovery, you're not getting close enough to people. Something like that. Hmm. No, I agree with that one. Yeah, I, that's yeah. a saying I've heard. You don't like that one? Uh, I would agree. That if you're not getting hurt by, and it depends on what you mean by hurt, but yeah. When people fucking relapse and die. That oh yeah, stings. that hurts. Yeah. And I mean, if we've put ourselves in position and opened up to people, like if we, I don't, I think we're closed off from feeling and relationships if not. Yeah, and I think I used to feel differently about that because I wasn't as close to many newcomers. When I had probably 8 to 10, 12 years clean, I really wasn't too interested in being around too many new people. Not mm. necessarily on purpose. Like, it wasn't like a conscious choice of, like, I'm not getting around new people. But it was like I had a life where I was working a regular job and taking vacations to nice places and going and fucking hanging out at the coffee shop till 10, 11 o'clock at night just was not appealing right. to me and my life and the issues and stuff that I was going through weren't very appealing. And 
I was doing some H&I work at that time, so I guess I got a little bit of connection with newcomers, but in meetings, I wasn't really around very many and didn't make myself very available to them. I just, at this point, kind of question my usefulness for newer members. Like, I feel like they're just, they need something a little less where I'm at, hmm. if that makes any sense. But I don't know. I still try. Yeah. <laughs> I try to relate and help. I don't know, though. Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown's nemesis, sorry, not Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown's nemesis, hmm. said that he, she just didn't want it enough. He doesn't like that saying, because why are we going to judge their want? Like, what the hell difference? There's people out there who can't get it that want the hell out of it. But is there some level of want? We we also say this isn't for people who need it. It's for people who want it. But it's not for people who want it. It's for people who do it. Right. And so I, I don't know. I get it. Like, what, it doesn't really serve a whole lot of purpose to judge whether they wanted it enough or not. That's kind of a cop out on, like, I don't have to care that they're dead. <laughs> yeah, they didn't want it enough. It's I their fault. Agree. Yeah, that's a tough one. I've heard it said in our literature, at least in NA, it used to say the only requirement for membership is an honest desire to stop using and that they took the word honest out of it because they wanted to stop judging people's mm. desire. <laughs> you got a lying desire. God Great. damn it. And then Blessed and Grateful said on page 24 of the big book, we it says, we are unable to bring into consciousness the memory of the suffering and humiliation of even a week ago. We are without defense against the first drink. And she points out that it seems like going to meetings, listening, doing step work is a defense against it. And I kind of feel the same way. I'm like, there are times where I have that euphoric recall, but I'm not always in that place. There's definitely times where I'm like, God, that was fucking miserable being out there doing that. So that does seem like an overstatement of. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All the things, all the work that I do is to keep me from getting to that place. Right, <laughs> like, right. Play the, the tape all the way point out. Point of why I'm doing all this. It certainly yeah. ain't because I want to. <laughs> he must have wrote that line while he was fucking one of his cheating affairs. <laughs> That's why it doesn't make any sense. I don't know the whole Bill W. cheating affair thing. I, I don't either. I'm gonna look yeah. into it. I'm curious. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard some other stuff about Bill W., but I don't really care what he did personally. Hmm. So yeah, I guess the point of all this, like, there's things that we say in meetings that maybe we shouldn't listen to. Take what you need and leave the rest. <laughs> maybe maybe they're the cliches. Maybe they're just some guy randomly sharing some weird stuff. I don't know, but there's definitely things from meetings. And if you don't know, ask people, right? Ask your sponsor, ask your network, talk to people about it, find out what you believe for sure. Ultimately, the goal in our literature says to find out a, how this program works for ourselves, right? We right. We all decide how this actually works for us. Yeah, and I feel the beauty of the program is the anonymity to practice it in a way that works best for us you know that there are so many different people with different opinions and varying views that's where sponsorship has helped me tremendously that's where relationships with people that have different ideas that we can hopefully talk about honestly and openly without Mm -hmm. arguing or being judgmentive or you know criticizing each other where we allow people to come and free expression of thinking and living life we're all here just trying to get another day and right get through this thing hopefully and improve our lives in one way or another so if you want to tell me how right i am about believing in god feel free to reach out to us <laughs> and if you want to agree with billy then i guess you can also reach out to us uh, you can't get a hold of me on social media so <laughs> i'll pass it along reluctantly <laughs> yeah anything else no that was fun cool yeah I, I enjoyed that discussion too so we'll see you next week 
Share this podcast with people in your life who might enjoy it. Check out recoverysortof.com to find our episodes and link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're always looking for new and interesting ideas for topics, sort of. If you have any ideas for episodes or think you have something to come on and talk about, reach out to us.